be in prayer for that. We're going to be over in Psalm chapter 11. Psalm chapter 11. And here we are, we're, we're a couple days out from Independence Day. If y'all know me, I refuse to call it the 4th of July because we don't call Christmas December 25th. It is Independence Day. And I love Independence Day. I love the freedoms that we have as Americans. I love it. I love, I, I could, and I, folks, I've been in a lot of countries. I've been in a lot of places. And I couldn't pick a better country to live in than we live in right now in America. And, and I, I, I love the, the studying of the, our forefathers and the way that this country was founded on biblical principles. I love the fact that they wanted us to grow. And, and it, if you think back about what we've been talking about through Acts, and you, you know, on Wednesday nights we've been going through Acts as well, and you look at how Paul, and you look at how, how he took the gospel out, but you look at Pentecost and how uh, the Holy Spirit fell down on them and they were able to take the, the gospel and go out with it. And then you look at our forefathers and what they did as well. I mean, they came over here uh, to get away from the religious persecution and they brought the gospel with them and they believed in the word of God so much that they founded this nation on the Bible. You go find another one. Go find you another country that was established the way that we was. There ain't one. We, we're it. We are it. And I'm proud to, to be here. And I, I, there's, there's, a, there's a lot I've been wor- going through this week studying for this and trying to, to, uh, to, to do it honor and justice as we look at freedom. And one of the things that I, I found I thought was really neat, it was a, a little article, and it was about Jamaica. And here we are talking about America, but we're going to look at Jamaica, and we're going to look at Brit- the, the Brits as well. We're going to look at the British Empire. But back in 1833, 1833 uh, Jamaica was what they called the crown colony of the British Empire. But it had a little problem. Had a little problem, and this little problem was slavery. They had slaves on that island, so the parliament over in, over in Britain... They got together, and they voted, and they decided that there should not be slavery. So they set a date, they set a time to abolish slavery, to get rid of slavery. And they relayed the message down to Jamaica, and they told them what was going to happen. And so on that day, that, the day that it, it was supposed to happen, all the slaves come out, and they went outside, and at daybreak, when the sun popped up, that was when they were free. And this is what they sung. Y'all probably know this. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, free at last. I think as a Christian, when we're saved, that's probably the song that we ought to sing. Free at last, free at last. The bondage of sin has been dropped. Thank God I am free at last. These slaves were not slaves. They were not bound by their owner. They were not, uh, they were not in bondage anymore to the work that they had to do. They were free. As a Christian, when we are saved, we are in the same boat. We are not in bondage of sin anymore. We are free from the, the, the master of hell, but we now belong to the one that made us, that created us. We do serve a master, but in a totally different way. We're not 
bound like we was when the devil had a hold of us. But now we are free to worship. We are free to, to honor. We can go about the Father's business, the Master's business now, and not have to worry about the penalty of sin, which would be death and hell. We're free from that now. Just like those Jamaicans, there, there's a song of freedom in the heart of the, the American spirit that we have now because we are a free country. We are a nation founded on the idea of freedom. In my nerdiness I, this week, I've been doing a little bit of research, and our Constitution declares we are established this way. And listen to what it says. To secure the blessing of liberty to ourselves and those who would follow. Abraham Lincoln said this at the Gettysburg Address. He said, our nation was conceived in liberty. Freedom and America are one and the same. When you say freedom, you think America. When you think America, you think freedom. Because that's what we are. Can you imagine living in a country? Can you? And I, I hate to, to bring up China, but just think about China. Can you imagine living in a country like China where you can't do this right now? Sunday mornings to them mean nothing. Now, there are Christians that are hiding, and they're having secret services, now, and, and, and they're trying. But you can't live in a country like that and worship God freely because you will be persecuted. You will be jailed. You'll be imprisoned. You could be killed. There's other countries the same way. You cannot worship God the way that we do. But because we are free and because of the freedom that has been provided to us from our forefathers up, even through our military and law enforcement are protecting us right now, we can do this right now. We can have church. We can freely worship the way that God intended us to worship. And our forefathers understood that and they acknowledged that. If you got your Bible, stand with me just a moment. It's one little verse, Psalm 11.3. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the nations do? We can't do a thing. Keith, would you open us up, please? You can have a seat. The foundations. Man, you think about think about the way things are built. Now, they ain't built the way they used to be. Now, I don't know who I was talking to the other day. We was talking about trucks. We was talking about building or uh, working on vehicles. The very first truck I ever owned, very first vehicle I ever owned was a 1989 Ford F-150, 302, five-speed, four-wheel drive. I loved it. That was my truck. I bought that, I skint deer, I killed beef. I, the same way Abby bought her car, I bought my truck. And I was proud of that thing. And what I liked about that truck was the fact that when you pop the hood up, if you need to change spark plugs, if you need to get in there and flip the filter, or you need to do whatever you need to do, you could just pop the hood and get over in it. I had to put Freon in Maria's car the other day. It hers is a 2011 Traverse. I like to have never got my hand down in there and took the cap off to get the 
the hose from the Freon put on there to top that thing off. Can't do it anymore. Can't do it anymore. Think about the way things are built. I'm going back to that now. This verse says, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed. Foundations mean everything. The way that things are built mean everything to us. Without a good foundation, Keith and Mike wouldn't be building good houses. But it relies on people like Ken to come in and do a good foundation. If Ken messes up, Keith's going to be mad at you. And you don't want Mike mad at you. It's like the Hulk over here. You won't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> we need that foundation. We need a good, firm, solid foundation. I was talking about the truck a while ago. That They were built better. They were built totally different back in the day. Now, nowadays, they just want it to look pretty. They don't care if it runs good or not. We need a good, solid foundation, good, solid base to build it on. Our churches need to have a good, solid, firm foundation. Our homes have got to have a good, firm, solid foundation. The reason our homes are falling apart nowadays, it's not because of the foundation that was dug and poured and built upon. Our homes are failing nowadays because the foundation is not there biblically, spiritually. It's because of the, the dads are not involved or the moms are not involved. It's because our parents are not godly parents anymore. So the foundation of the church, the foundation inside that home is crumbling because they're not basing their house on a, on a solid foundation. They're not building their homes on a solid foundation. We've got parables, and we sing about it when we're kids, about building your house on sand and building your house on solid rock. What happens when you build it on sand? It's going to fall over. Well, that's the homes that, that are being built nowadays. There's, there's no Bible. There's no Scripture. There's no God inside our homes anymore. And because there's no God in our homes, there's no God in our schools, and there's no, believe it or not, there's no God about anywhere you go now because we're building our homes on sand, on worldly things that will crumble and fall and give. When sand gets wet, what if you've ever been to the beach and you stood right on the edge of the, the water when it washes up, and you stand there with your feet on the sand, and the water washes up, what happens? It washes out from under you, and you sink, you fall. And that's about as far in the ocean as you'll ever see me get sometimes. Because I don't like water. That's what's going on right now is our world, our homes are being built on sand. And as the storms of this life come through and wash the sand out from under us, we fall. Because we are not building on a solid foundation. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Not one thing this is why when they established this land here in america they made sure america was built on a solid foundation from the word of god they built it right here right here can you imagine what took place up until the day and even days after that the declaration of independence was signed if it was signed in 2023 I can't imagine what would take place. But when it was signed back in the 1700s, they prayed. They approached this thing by seeking God's face and making sure that it was done right. They did not want to honor men. 
They did not want to honor each other. When they wrote this, they wanted to make sure that they honored God when they pinned it down. They wanted to make sure that his name was above every other name. They wanted to make sure that this nation was founded on the word of God, and they did that. When uh, Francis Scott Key wrote the second verse of the Star-Spangled Banner, we don't ever sing that, do we? Most people don't know that there is a second verse, but there is, and I want to read it to you. Unless Nat gets up here and sings with me, I'm not going to do it. Second verse says, Oh, thus be it ever, when free man shall stand, between their loved homes and war's desolation, blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must, when because it is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner and triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Most people ain't even sung that before. But he knew what he was writing. And he believed in what he was writing. He knew that we was one nation under God. He knew that and believed that. And I do too. But there's foundations of our freedom. If you look over at John eight thirty two, it says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's the foundation of our freedom. We know the truth, and the truth is the word of God. And when you build a nation upon the word of God, there's nothing but truth there. Now, I know that not just government, but churches and all have fallen away from this. We're, we're not what we are supposed to be. We're not the church of Pentecost like we should be, and we're not the country of 1776 that we should be right now. We have fallen away. The church, our government, has all fallen away. But we can get back. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but we can get back to the way that it used to be. Our churches can't have the power of Pentecost if they would just let the Holy Ghost in. If they would move the devil off the pews and let the Holy Spirit fill our hearts and our pews like it's supposed to, we would get back to one nation under God. But we're going to have to do a little bit of work to make it happen to have a, a, a clear understanding of life and, and morality and, and honesty like we're supposed to, you have to look to the Bible. We can't find it in this world. We're not going to find it. You can't YouTube it. You ain't going to be able to Google it. You've got to go to the Word of God. There's no other document more plainly describing the principles this nation is built on than the Word of God, than the Bible. There's nothing out there. There's no other document. There's no magazine. There's no dictionary. There's no encyclopedia. There is nothing in this world that defines what we were built on more than the Word of God on the, our Bible. Now, these, these biblical principles are known as Judeo-Christian ethics. Judeo-Christian ethics. And I'm not going to get into that. That's one of the big words that we was talking about Minneapolis Baptist Church this morning. I'm not going to talk about that because I'm recorded, but that's a big word. I'm not going to talk about it, but these ethics are straight out of the Bible, but we only, I'm only going to look at seven of them this morning. Now, you're going to say, oh, Lord, seven of them, it's going to take forever. It's not because you know them. These, these ethics, these biblical principles that we follow, we follow. You follow them every day. And I say this because... We were raised this way. We were raised 
in church. We were raised on the Word of God. We grew up in the Word of God, whether we've done it in church or whether it happened at home. We have these seven principles. There's a lot more of these principles. All right, we're just going to look at seven because seven's a good number. We're just going to look at these seven, but we know them. We live them out every single day. And the first one, and you're going to think, oh, he's going to get all political. I'm not. This is, has nothing to do with politics. The dignity of human life. That's a basic principle. Exodus 20, 13 says, Thou shalt not kill. There it is. Plain as day. Matthew twenty two thirty nine says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The Bible teaches us to respect our own lives, and then it tells us to respect the lives of others. That's what the Bible tells us. That's not what man has said. Nobody made this up. Man is telling us, or God is telling us that. And we're going to relay it over to you. We want to remind you on a daily basis, thou shalt not kill. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That's Jesus telling you that. That's, that's it. When we understand that every single human being, every single human life has, has boundless worth, I can't tell you how much worth we have, that does away with the thought of abortion. When people see that every single life matters, then the thought of abortion goes away. But people ain't seeing it yet. Our very government guarantees, and I want you to listen to this, every person the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, what was the first word? Life. How can we be promised life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness when you believe in abortion and you're taking that life away? Now, I'm not going to get on soapbox. Y'all know where I stand on this. I don't believe in it. Never have, never will. But we need to get back to the basics. And this is basic number one. The importance of life. The sanctity of life. The second thing, brace yourselves and blow your mind, traditional marriage. <gasps> Who would have thought? Genesis 2 says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God instituted the traditional marriage. God, I ain't going to say traditional. God instituted marriage. We've put the traditional spin on it. God instituted marriage. And he instituted that marriage between a man and a woman. One man, one woman. And that is it. There is no ands, ifs, or buts in there. One man, one woman. If this marriage is blessed with children... And I hope and pray that it is. Those children have the right to godly and secure home with a mom and a dad. With a mom and a dad. That's it. Not two moms, not two dads. A mom and a dad. Number three, work ethic. Work ethic. Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should they eat. I think there's a lot of people need to be reading that verse right now. This means that people should work for their livelihood. 
And I'm a firm believer in that. If you are able to work, if you are physically, mentally capable of working, then you ought to be doing it. Not relying on handouts. Not relying on government. Not relying on the churches. Not relying on uh, you know, the, whatever you can get while you're standing at the intersection of the bypass of 421, waving at everybody as they come by. I think that you... <laughs> three of them got it. <laughs> See them every day. Work. People work. God give you a back. He give you two hands, two feet. He give you a mind to use. Use it. Do it. I don't care. You might not like your job right now. So be it. But God give you the ability to work and to provide, not just for yourself, but for your family. Use your mind. Use your back. Use your hands. Use your feet. But you use them and provide we're not to be dependent on the government. Fourth thing, the right to God-centered education. The right to a God-centered education. Now listen to what Paul wrote over in Ephesians. It says, And ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and monish of the Lord. Our forefathers knew this. They knew the, the way that our children should be educated. They knew what we needed to do for our children. They knew it. They needed an education. They needed to learn. They needed to grow. They needed to mature. But to learn, to be educated, it needed to be based on the Bible. It needed to be biblically based. And y'all might think this is ridiculous and crazy, but Harvard and Princeton and Yale... Those three colleges founded by our forefathers to have to make sure that those children, as they got a college education, will be getting a God-centered education. Now you don't look like it now. I mean, even look at Duke. Duke is a, a Methodist church. I ain't gonna get into that. <laughs> That's what's wrong with them, ain't it, James? All messed up over there. Now, this does not mean that all schools should be Christian schools, and I'd love it. I wish they was all biblically based and all that, but they're not getting away from it. But it does mean that, that these some of these schools will, uh, recognize God as the creator. And that's the that's main thing. We want to make sure that our children understand that God created the heavens and the earth. We did not evolve from monkeys. Paisley might look like it, but she didn't. She's laughing at me over there. Because I, I tell the story of my science teacher telling me that we evolved, and I said, your mama might have been a monkey, but mine wasn't, and he didn't like it. It reflected on my grades. <laughs> Failed that one. Number five, we're going to look at the, the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's in Genesis. And I look at Galatians 3, 7 tells us, Now ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And then Psalms 33, 12 says, Blessed the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. This means the nation that 
is under God was a nation which was blessed. That's what this, all that I just read you, that's what it boils down to. When a nation is founded on God, when a nation believes in the one true God, when the nation is built on the Bible, on the word of God, that nation will be blessed. That's what it's telling us. Do we feel blessed right now? Sometimes no, we don't. We don't feel like it. But we, you could be worse right now. Y'all could be in your basements having Bible study. Y'all could be without Bibles and having to recall Scripture from memory. But because we were founded the way we were founded, we have been blessed. We do have freedoms to worship and get together. Secondly, or six, I'm sorry, six things is, is common decency. Now, if you notice all these things we're talking about, it's all things you're used to. You've just taken them for granted. You just We don't talk about it very much, but it, they are biblically based, and that's the way the church and the, this nation was founded. Matthew 22, 39 says, And the second is likened to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, Americans have been known as people to do decent things. Why do you think other nations call on the U.S. for help? Because we do decent things. We help our neighbors for the most part. Do they take advantage of us? Yes. Do they take advantage of our kindness? Yes, I believe they do. But also the church. When there is a need, who do they call? Who do, who do people call? The church. They, they rely on the Christians to come out and help. And we know this firsthand. We see it, Jonathan being there at SP right now sees it as well. When there is a need in another country, you know that you cannot rely on the country. You cannot rely on the government. Who, do you, who, can, you, who can you count on? God's people. God's people will come help. When I started, see, in 2010 when I started, we was doing the, uh, the medical, the field hospitals. We're out of $200 carport tents, and now they're at over nearly $3 million field hospitals. We went from $200 tents to $3 million field hospitals, and people call because they know we'll come. They know that we'll help. They call upon the church, and that gives us an opportunity to present the gospel. We have got to go back to what Matthew said. We've got to love our neighbors. We have to love and honor those that are around us. We're, we're decent people. Americans are pretty decent people. Now, if you look at, I've never been, I've been to New York, but I've never been to New York City, and I've always wanted to see Statue of Liberty. But I know what's written on the Statue of Liberty. Emma Lazarus wrote this, and I love it. It says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed, to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. That's a plaque on the Statue of Liberty. If you look at America, we're a melting pot. We got all kinds of people in here. And you go back and you look at, at during the immigration times, back in the in the mid, the late 1800s and the early 1900s, when we had all the immigrants coming over from Ireland, Scotland, England, all these people coming over, being a part of America. That's why they put that plaque on there. 
So come in. That's, that's the way the church ought to be. Now, I'm going to read this again, but I don't want you to think of it as a Statue of Liberty. I want you to think of it as a church. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. That could be the church. That could easily be God's people saying, we're here to help. What can we do for you? But we tend to close the door and turn our backs on those that are in need. We are decent people. Christians are supposed to be decent, God-fearing people. We should open our arms and our doors to help them out, those that are around us. Now, the seventh and the final thing is personal accountability to God. I made this the last one for a reason. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. We are held accountable for everything that we do. For the ones that we help, ones that we don't help. When we turn our back on God, when we turn our back on our nation, when we turn our back on the needy and the poor, when we turn our back, we're held accountable for those things. The Bible clearly teaches that we will have to give an account of ourselves and an account of our actions before God. It said that uh, I love Daniel Webster. I've, everybody's had a Webster dictionary. I know you've all got one somewhere. But I've got one from back in the 1800s. It wasn't, it's not from the 1800s. It was written in the 1800s, and it's, it's a new uh, print. But me and preacher Daniel Lawrence, that's the, only, that's the only version of the Webster dictionary that we use because the wording is perfect. It, it, it lines up with our Bibles. And Daniel Webster was asked one time, he, this guy asked him, he said, Mr. Webster, what greatest thought ever passed your mind? What greatest thought ever passed your mind? And this is what he said, my personal accountability to God. Do you ever just stop and think about what you're going to be held accountable for? I mean, does it ever just cross your mind what you didn't do that you should have done and that you're going to be held accountable for it? The opportunities that you had to witness to somebody and you said, I don't like them, I don't want to be around them. The time that you might have had to, to help somebody that was in need, but you turned your back because they looked funny. We're held accountable for those things. When we should have been doing it in the name of God, we didn't do it. The founding fathers knew that these and other principles of Scripture are vital, were vital and are vital for the protection of our nation's freedom. They knew it. And now there's others. Now, everything, those seven we just went through were all right here. They wasn't made up. Those forefathers didn't just pull them out of their hats. They're all based on Scripture. And there's more. There's a lot more. Just open your Bible and start reading. You'll start feeling the conviction. You'll know. You'll know. That it's real. Now, the, there's the last part here that we're going to look at is the greatest freedom of all. We have freedoms here in America, and that's great. But there's one freedom that is beyond anything that could ever been given to any of us. Our coins, if you look at any of the coins in your pocket, they're stamped 
and I don't do Latin well, but I want to try this. E pluribus unum, and it's Latin for for many, one. America is a nation of ones, not dollar bills. Of We're a nation of firsts. We're a nation of many ones. I was talking about immigration a while ago, people that came over back in that, in, when we had all these ships coming in and, and dropping them off in New York. It was great. I mean, look, every one of us has some type of heritage now. Mine, mine goes way back into to the Scottish, just immigrants. I, I ain't going to tell you the story. I, my last name's not Cole, by the way. I don't know if y'all ever knew this. Have I ever told y'all this? It's Hathaway. It's Hathaway. My descendant came from Scotland, and he, when he crossed the pond, he made his way down into Virginia, and he took up with a bunch of Coles, and he took their last name. His name was actually Hathaway, and he changed his name to Cole. It was never legal. So I, I tell people all the time that I'm, I'm not really a Cole. I want you to remember this right here, and this goes for every single nation, every single country that you can imagine right now. For a land to be free, the people must be free. For the land to be free, the people have got to be free. That's the message of the gospel. Jesus told us the reason he came was to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to set men free. He came to set us all free. If you think, we talk about freedom fighters. Talk about these men and women that serve in the military and protect us. And we call them freedom fighters. Jesus is the poster child for a freedom fighter. He fought and won a big old battle. He's the greatest freedom fighter the world was, has ever known. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Paul wrote in uh, Romans 8.2, he says, for the law of the spirit of life is uh, life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Think about that. Free from sin. Free from sin. No longer do sin and the way to sin control our lives. We are free from sin. No longer are we controlled by the world. No longer are we controlled by the flesh. No longer are we controlled by the devil. We are free from sin. That's, that's freedom. That is freedom. There's also freedom from death. If you look at that verse again, it tells us, For the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Death no longer has control over us. There is no it, We can go anytime. I hope you're ready. We can go anytime. Lord, call you out any time. We should not fear death. Jesus Christ conquered death and hell by his sacrifice on the cross. He's conquered it for us. So we have freedom. We have freedom to run and crawl on the altar. What, buddy? All right, you sit right there. And be quiet. He needs a diaper. Come, come here just a second. <laughs> Whew. There's some beans he's talking about. 
he had a big old pot of green beans yesterday. She wondered when they'd come through. Man. I was going to say turn the fan on up here, but they ain't got one. Through Jesus, we have conquered death. Through, through Jesus, we conquered hell. We, he did it for us. Through the cross. For us. That's freedom. That's the freedom that he has given us. I'll, I'll ask the question, are you free today? I don't mean are you free to go out to eat lunch. I don't mean are you free to come over and, and watch a race or whatever is going on today. Are you free from the bondage of sin? Are you free from the penalty of death? Are you free? Have you been set free? We have freedoms in America. But we also have a freedom that is given to us through Jesus Christ. Have you received that freedom? I'm not talking about political or social freedom, but spiritual freedom, eternal freedom. Eternal freedom. It could be internal freedom too. But is it eternal? Everlasting. Have you been set free by Jesus Christ? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I don't care what you do in your life. I don't care if it is building a family, if it is building a business, if it is building a house, whatever it might be. Whatever you do, make sure that you build it on this. If this is how our nation was built, then don't you th and it's worked, don't you think that we ought to keep doing it? Don't you think that we ought to keep building our lives on this? Yeah. It's not political it's spiritual if you want to be blessed if you want to see growth build your life on the word of god make this the foundation of everything that you do right here make this make this the number one make this priority when you build your foundation you build it on the word of god stand with me we're going to close out we'll come back here next Sunday, I want every one of y'all to have ten fingers, okay? Don't be setting off fireworks improperly. I hope y'all have a wonderful Independence Day with your family. Celebrate. We got something to celebrate. You got to admit it. We live in a pretty good place. I'm proud where I live and where I'm from. I'm proud of the way that it was founded. Honor, remember, Tuesday, remember that. Remember what we, what we came from and where we're going. Could have been bad. Could have been bad, but we had some good godly forefathers that made sure to build this thing right. If you're going to build it right, that's the best instruction manual you'll ever find right there. And they did it right. So remember that Tuesday when you're with your families. And you're celebrating. We're celebrating freedom. It's a beautiful thing. Anybody have anything on their heart this morning before we close out? Nothing? Nobody? All right, be, be prepared to help because Ariel's probably going to tell you what to do for Bible school. All right.
I think it's all panning out, and we're we're excited and ready. Tell everybody. Have you got you got anything you want to say? Nothing. That's that's surprising. All right, let's close. Father, we just want to come to you again this evening. And thank you for we thank you for your word. We thank you for the foundation that was used to build this country. That being your word, thank you for the godly men that took the time not just to pin down the Declaration of Independence, but Lord, to take the time to pray for this country as they build it. And God, we thank you for hearing their pleas and their cries and seeing the urgency and and their pin strokes. And I pray, God, that you would allow us, as we celebrate Tuesday, to to remember this, what's been done for us, those sacrifices. So, So many of them lost their lives, their families, their homes, their money. But Lord, as we said before, heaven's worth it all. So those sacrifices that they made so that we could be here today and worship you, God, we thank you for that sacrifice. But Lord, more than that, we thank you for the sacrifice on the cross, for the freedom that you have given us, freedom to accept or reject the word of God, your son Jesus Christ. You've given it to us. We thank you for that freedom. We thank you for the freedom of the the bondage of sin, the freedom from the penalty of death. We thank you for what you have done for us through that cross. And we pray, God, today that if there be one here that does not have that freedom, they do not know about that freedom, they, do not have, they have not accepted that free pardon of sin, God, I pray today would be their day of salvation, whether it be here at this church or one around us. God, I pray that, that the conviction would be on their heart, that they know they are lost and they need that pardon. God, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And Lord, again, we just thank you so much for those that are here. Be with those that are unable to be here, those that may be traveling for vacation. I pray, God, that you'd place a hedge of protection around them and keep them safe. Lord, we pray for Sage. Now, she's over the big pond right now. I pray, God, that you would just continue to let her grow and absorb all the things that you have to offer over there and keep her safe and the whole group safe in their travels and be with their parents as well uh, with this, uh, this distance between them. Give them peace knowing that she's in your hands and you're in control. We thank you for that, and I pray, God, again, that you would continue to bless us, grow us, use us in a great way. I'll listen to your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Back here Wednesday. <laughs>